Hello and welcome to the TPM Podcast with your host, Mario Girard. Today we have a very interesting guest with us, David Glick. A lot of you might know him. He's uh, been a mentor. He does a lot of LinkedIn posts and he's a cool person to follow, so do follow him. He's worked at Amazon for uh, 19 years and was a VP of Amazon Fulfillment Technologies and then Amazon Tickets. He left Amazon to go join as a CTO of Flex. He has incredible, incredible experience in building high-performing teams and building high-performing organizations. So I'm very excited to have him today with us and share his thoughts. David, thank you for being uh, here with us today. And why don't you introduce yourself to our audience? Yeah, hi, this is Dave Glick. Thanks for having me on, Mario. You did a great job of introducing me, but I can say that most all of my career was at Amazon for almost 20 years. I've been at Flex's CTO for the last three years. And so it's been a fun ride at both of those places. And I'm sure we'll get into some of the things I did both at Amazon and Flex. So I won't take too much time with that here. Do you want to like quickly go over like what Flex is doing and maybe give a pitch? Because I know you guys are hiring like crazy too. So yeah, Flex is a marketplace which matches enterprise shippers. That's big retailers and brands with logistics capabilities or fulfillment capabilities. And we work with six of the top 10 retailers in the U.S. And we're building our own WMS, building our own transportation network, and so on. And so we're always looking for TPMs, engineers, product managers, basically we're everything. hiring everything. <laughs> everything, the, the, whole, the whole nine yards. And that's amazing. Did you say uh, four of the top 10 retailers? Six of the top six 10. Of the top, six of the top 10 retailers. You work with six of the top 10 retailers in managing their logistic process. Yeah, yeah. That's something. My goal for 2022 has been to, I've been assigned to get the other four. (laughs) (laughs) That's incredible that uh, being operational only for like a couple of years and you're able to do that. That says something about the product. So thank you so much for being here, David. To our listeners, what we're going to do today is we're going to split the podcast into kind of two sections. The first section, we're going to talk about David and ask him what he thinks are the fundamentals of the TPM role. So we'll go about the role. We'll go asking questions about the role, the skill set, how to be a great TPM and those kind of things. And then the second part, we're going to ask him and we're going to like work around the topic of how high level leaders like David, who's a VP of like a hundred people or a thousand people or several thousands of people, how do they get the right people working on the right set of problems? And that's what we're going to focus on on the second part. So let's get started with kind of the first part here. So David, why don't you kind of give us your take on what would you describe as the TPM role and the function of the TPM role? Yeah, thank you. The number one thing that the TPM does is deliver. Like if you summed up the role in one word, it would be delivery. And so their job is to get projects or programs over the line on schedule and under budget or at budget. And so what does that mean? You have to be very detail-oriented, drive, and your number one tool is the Gantt chart, right? When are people going to get things done? What do they depend on? How much time is it going to take? And so you could stop there and say, that's the job of the TPM. But what I found, and I don't have a CS degree, and Amazon talks about big T technical being someone who can write code and little T technical being someone like me who has led in technical places but can't write code. Anyway, what I always found is that if I was a little more technical, I would be a little more effective. And I guess if I was a lot more technical, I would be a lot more effective. But the point being, 
being able to understand deeply the trade-offs, both in technology as well as in your domain, makes folks much more effective TPMs. And so you own the schedule, you own the resources, or you don't actually own the resources, but you control the resources that you don't own. And then you have to be good at making trade-offs and getting people to commit. That's that's an interesting take. Uh, I also, uh, a light bulb went when he spoke about Gantt charts. That's a very interesting take because though we work in tech, it's interesting that a lot of large-scale tech projects are actually managed, though they worked at an agile level, right? Like teams are working independently. They are managed at a milestone level. Right. And it's, I think it's kind of forgotten sometimes that large scale projects, we do use Gantt charts, we do use Microsoft Project or something very similar to that smart sheets or something like that, where we manage these heavy dependencies and resource management. Right. Yeah. And I was working on a project for at Amazon around pricing and we were working with a subsidiary team and they were in San Francisco. This was before everybody was remote, but they were in San Francisco. We were in Seattle and we weren't getting the progress we wanted from them. And so my boss said, okay, let's get on a plane. We flew down to San Francisco and we sat with them all day and we like went through all the stories and the sticky sheets and all the things you do for Agile. And at the end of the day, I said, great, when can you deliver? And the guy said, well, many software development professionals today seem <laughs> think it's not necessary to have delivery dates because it's not effective. And I was like, look, I'm about to fly back to reality. <laughs> and there's an angry guy with an SVP on his t-shirt who's going to yell at me if I don't have dates. And so it is fine and dandy to have this agile. Yeah. And by the way, I've run agile teams and I think it's actually the right way. Yes, but yes. you have to have some high level understanding because if you've got teams, you know, dozens of people or hundreds of people working together on a project, it all has to come together at the end. And there's no way to do it rather than go old school, traditional and use Gantt charts and use Microsoft yeah. Project or something, some kind of similar type of a tool which gives you that level of granularity and tracking because otherwise you're not going to be successful, especially if you're running these large-scale projects, right? One of my colleagues and friends from early days at Amazon, he, we didn't use Gantt charts, we used, he just used Excel. <laughs> yeah. And in the end, like a project or a TPM's job is to get a set of action items, and then action items defined as sort of a description, an owner, and a date. <laughs> get a set of those, and probably a dependency, get a set of those written down with owners and dates, and that will allow you to march forward. And so he would just come in and say, what are the five most <laughs> important milestones on this project? Yeah. And you know, who's the owner and when's it going to be due? Yeah. And if we couldn't get a date, we got a date for a date. Yeah. And that's just the simplest way to take things forward, right? It doesn't need to be fancy. It doesn't need to be too complicated. Especially if you are working with teams and you can just work off Excel, that means your teams are ideally meeting those targets. And as long as they're meeting those targets, you don't need to do too much of over-engineering in creating the project plan, right? If they're unable to meet the milestones of this slipping or those kind of things, I think the TPM probably needs to get a little more involved there and help out more, right? Yeah. And I would say what you want to do is front load all your dependencies. Yeah. And so, because the, the thing that kills projects are not, it's not hardware and it's not software. There was a book called Peopleware, mm. which is working together and communicating with each other is the things that kills projects or not working together and not communicating. And so if you have one team who has a little bit of work to create an API 
to unlock other teams, they should do that work first, even if it's a stub that returns returns yeah. assertions or yep. returns dummy variables. At least you can know it's working and the other team can be unlocked to move forward. Absolutely. David, you spoke about you know, the big T and, li- and the little T. You also spoke about that you're... You don't have a computer science degree, but you are the CTO. Of, you've been a VP for a very long time at Amazon, leading yeah. one of the big technology you know, development teams, both at AFT and Amazon Tickets. And you're a CTO now. Like, How do you say that? Or why do you say humbly that you're not very technical? Well, I got my CS degree from the School of Hard Knocks at Amazon. I got the Amazon MBA, the Amazon CS degree, <laughs> and so on. But basically, what I, the way I sort of upskilled my game was I got... CC'd or called into every Sev1 that we yeah. had in the fulfillment centers for like many years in the early days of Amazon. And I read all the Sev2 tickets. And so I could see what breaks and what makes a bad system and what makes a good system. But then in 2004, I had worked as a, I was actually called a PM, not a TPM, but I worked my first couple of years as a PM, then a manager in systems and networking. Wow. And then I did deployment and QA and sort of all the things that aren't software development. And in 2004, I went to work for a woman named Kim Rackmiller, who was sort of the first TPM at Amazon, and she created a lot of the TPM practices. But one of the things she told me, she was a great mentor for me, is product process people. So when you're a junior, all you have is the product you produce. And for TPMs, that's Gantt charts. And and for engineers, that's writing code. And a college hire junior engineer is not producing anything for the company while they're sleeping. Like their value is typing on the keyboard. As you get to a senior engineer or first line manager, then you're setting up processes. Yeah. Like ticket reviews and code reviews, other, whatnot. Yeah. Code reviews. Yeah. What are the processes we use to make the product more effective and raise productivity? And then as you get more senior to senior manager, director, and VP, you spend a lot more time on people. And do I have the right people on the bus? Do I have the wrong people on the bus? You know, how do I? I spend a ton of time recruiting. I spend a ton of time coaching and my team and I do performance reviews and calibration. We called it OLR at Amazon twice a year. And we look at who are our top performers and who are the folks who aren't meeting the bar and take action on those. And so what I found is, you know, they say hire people smarter than you or hire people better than you. I try my best to do that. And what I have, our social contract is they are going to do the things that are more technical and make a lot of the technical trade-off decisions while I audit those. And then my job is to make sure that they have the headcount they need, that they're being, they and their teams are being compensated appropriately. Set up for success. Yeah. So that you're setting them up for success. Totally. Fantastic. Uh, So probably the next question I have is, when we spoke earlier, you were saying, yeah, I'm a big believer of TPM role. Can you tell our audience, like, why do you believe in the TPM role? Why do you think it's valuable for an organization? When I was coming to Flex, the guy who recruited me described it as, we have a great target addressable market, huge target addressable market, or TAM, great product market fit, and we need work on the product, we need help executing. And so it's, again, you know, 1% inspiration and 99% perspiration. Once you have your direction you're going, and once you're, you know, you've got great product market fit, then you have to execute. And TPMs are the kings and queens of execution. And so my example, when I joined Flex, was there weren't any TPMs. And we had, we had a big project for the world's biggest retailer, or one of the world's biggest retailers. And they had, we need these five features launched before we, or we're not going to sign up. 
And you know, we were trying to commit to that without doing any bottoms up work. We basically said we have to commit or we're gonna lose our biggest customer. <laughs> so yeah. we're gonna do it. But then once we committed, we said, where's the Gantt chart? Like, who's working on this? And, and no one could answer that question. And so the first thing I did is hire a, a great TPM uh, and sort of serendipity brought her to me. And she came and said, you know, I need all the engineers dedicated to my project. <laughs> yeah. And within a week, she put together a Gantt chart and she'd actually like integrated Smartsheet with Jira so that all the, all the cards in yeah. Jira rolled up to the Smartsheet and you could see dependencies move when things were late. And that is exactly what I think of in the TPM role. Yeah. It's working magic almost, right? It just gives me, it's so important. And sometimes it's not valued enough, I think, at certain places. So, so it's fantastic that this person came in and they were able to like move the needle and make things happen. So talking about that, like, what do you think are the core skills like TPM should have? So the first thing is they need to be super detail oriented and you know they need to be they know exactly what's going on with every engineer working on the project or every product manager working on the project they need to be focused on writing all of those things down organizing them as i said putting them into a gantt chart or excel spreadsheet those are just tools but making sure that everybody knows what's going on so communication will be the second skill and then third and i don't know why maybe i should have put it first but they need some technical chops People say, oh, they need to be able to call BS on the engineers. I don't think that's actually true because engineers aren't trying to put one over on you. Or, yeah. But they need to. I, I think, especially this day and age, right? I think, I think maybe if you'd said that to me like 10, 15 years ago, I might have agreed a little bit. But I think our engineers are so well motivated these days that you yeah. don't, they're not going to like give you incorrect information, right? Yeah. And, you know, they need to be able to challenge the engineers yeah. yes. and say, yes. have you thought of other ways? Are there better ways to do this? Yeah. You know, can we front load the yeah. API that another team yeah. needs and so on? So they need to be technical enough. To have the conversations. Yeah. Yeah. And they have to have sort of instinct or intuition, which sounds like magic, but it comes from scars, right? Yeah. Battle scars. Battle scars of, oh, yeah, I didn't ask this question last time. One of the fun things I found that I'm always challenged with is I'm a trusting person. Mm. And so if someone says, I'm going to deliver this, don't worry about it. I tend to trust them, especially if I know them and know them for a long time. And, and so it always feels like, you're distrusting them when you ask more deeper questions. But what I found over the years is you have to ask more deeper questions because yeah. you have more experience and because you may have thought of things that they haven't. Yeah, and I think that's what great managers bring in so much of insight. When I think about the managers who I've worked with, always people who either they're pushing the boundaries a little bit and trying to make you think outside the box, or they have mm. such a rich experience of working in similar types of problems or in the same problem space that they know exactly like what you're going to encounter before you even go and encounter it, right? So it's like fascinating. Yeah. I like to tell this story. When I took over Amazon Fulfillment Technologies, uh, we were coming up on the Christmas peak or the holiday peak. And like the year before, they had lots of Sev 1s and Sev 2s, yeah. lots of operational problems. And I was a director. I was trying to get promoted to VP. And so I said, I'm not going to get not promoted <laughs> because we had holiday problems. And so I made the team go through, we put together a template, and we went through sort of soup to nuts all of the things that could break. And a lot of it was around configuration and a lot yeah. of it was around scaling. You know, and the team hated it. They're like, oh, this is bureaucracy. We're wasting time. And then it was probably 40 documents. And so I spent 
40 hours with myself and my directs reading each one of these and giving feedback. And it could have been like on JDPC timeouts or the number yeah. of threads versus the number of connections in the load balancer and all those details. And for every team, even the most senior and the smartest, we were able to give them some feedback, feedback. on things to do better. And what happened is we reduced our number of sub two tickets by like 90% year over year. Wow. During that time. So you did this every year? Is this like a routine process that you, you try to catch it before things happen? Yeah. And so this was, we called it Q4 prep. And that first year and the second year, I did that personally because what it did is built trust with the team and the people who stuck around and survived Christmas and so on <laughs> said like, hey, this was, we thought this was bullshit. And what we found was this was actually really effective. And we appreciate that you took the time and you built trust with us by taking the time to read all these. And then over time, as the team went from, you know, 200 people in the dev organization to 300 to 500, we were able to decentralize that. And so the people who were my directs, they did those with their team. So I didn't have to be involved in every one. And that's very interesting how that worked out. So recapping the most important skill sets or traits which a TPM should have, you said detail-oriented, needs intuition, has to be organized, good communication skills, and the tech aspect, right? Yeah. So that kind of sum it up. Yeah, and I would add one more sort of just general leadership, call it gravitas or whatever. One of the things that when I started as a TPM all these years ago, I was always like, hey, could you do this for me? And kind of meek. And over time, people were like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like people should scurry out of the hallway to their desks when you walk down the hall, right? You are the one who's leading this project and they're all accountable to you. And so you need to be telling them what to do, not, it needs to be a two-way communication, but you need to be, I don't think feared is the right term. Firm? But, is firm the right word? Yeah, I think you have to be firm and you have to challenge people. Yeah. And hold them accountable. I think that's the key key there, right? Holding them accountable, ensuring that they're meeting the commitments and those kind of things. Yeah. And that should ideally um, fit into the whole leadership bracket which you were talking about. Good points. Do you think there are like certain particular characteristics for rock star TPMs? Like TPMs are like hit it out of the park. Are there anything, are they exceptional in any one of these skills or or how do, how do you look at that? Like, what do you think are the like, exceptional TPMs? Like, what do they have like that's special? Yeah, that's a great question. I'm trying to think of a great answer to that. The biggest thing probably is they need to have backbone hmm. and trust, but verify. <laughs> you know, I think there's a skill that you can build, but I couldn't teach you. <laughs> I, yeah. You know, you can't sort of lay things out, but, you know, the best TPMs I have met are people who can yell at their people, hold them accountable. Maybe not yell is the right word, but they can push people, but still have yeah. them love them, still yeah. be loved. Yeah. And so we did a, an integration with a company we bought and we hired the best TPM as his director level, best TPM in the company. We had him internally transferred to us and he would go out every week or, you know, spend at least half the month out in Boston helping with the integration. And he would push those guys pretty hard, but they still say, Hey, when can Jim come back? When can Jim come back? Yeah. And so being able to, have tough conversations and ask great questions while still being respected and loved is, I think, one of the things that sets people apart. Yeah, that's definitely an innate quality, I feel. So not everybody has it sometimes. It's something which maybe you can grow and and tinker a little bit, but it's, it's something which you have as a characteristic within yourself, right? Yeah. How about like 
things like being able to deal with like super ambiguous problems. I feel like TPMs were generally, <laughs> when I look at Rockstar TPMs, that's one thing that they're really good at. Yeah, and I would say simplifying. We had a leadership yeah. principle at Amazon called Invent and Simplify. And yeah. like bringing clarity, clarity is sort of the opposite of ambiguity. One way you bring clarity is by simplifying things. And so if you can bring clarity, you know, because everybody has these different languages, when are you going to be done with this? Oh, I'll yeah. be done Friday. And that's like, well, what do you mean by done? Yeah. <laughs> Code complete. And so you have to say, okay, when I say done, I mean, this other team can call your API. Will they be able to call your API on Friday? Oh, no, no, no. That's like three yeah. weeks from Tuesday because yeah. I have to put in the tests and, and, and yeah, it's yeah. only a private API and all these things. And so uh, being able to bring clarity as to what we mean when communicating across teams or between teams uh, is important. And then agreeing on sort of, sort of the technical design because team A may want to do one thing and team B may want another. Another way of simplifying that is to decouple it as much as possible. And we had this term decoupling, uh, which meant uh, removing dependencies. And so the idea is, that, like, the thing that kills these big projects is the cross-team communication, the cross-company yeah. communication. Or at least at Amazon, that's how we were set up, is everybody was their own captain and had their own projects. And so you do a big cross-team, cross-company project, like launching a country which took 400 teams, the things that killed it were that the dependencies on each other. And yeah. so if you can remove or reduce those dependencies, that's great. And Amazon, we worked very hard to do that. At Flex, we continue to try to reduce cross-team dependencies, but we're at a much earlier stage. We have a, you know, a single binary that many of the people on the team work in. Many of the projects take two to three to five teams to build this feature. And so if you can get to a place where you're relatively decoupled, you're going to be much more effective. That's a good point. So clarity, focusing a little bit more on tech design, having a backbone, all those kind of core skills like, you know, Rockstar TPMs can have. That's fantastic. How, as TPMs like run programs and deliver programs, how do you think they can assess how impactful they are? Like, what's your take on like the impact a TPM has on his or her organization? That's a good but hard question. The number one thing is, do their projects deliver? Yeah. Do their programs deliver? And then you get in that sort of externally, it's non-metrics based. I mean, in some ways it's metrics based. Did you launch this thing on time yeah. for a customer? In our so business... Is that, is that like the most fundamental, like if you're thinking about it in a binary fashion, that's the most fundamental thing. Did what you say launch when it was supposed to launch? I mean, I think that's the most important thing, especially yeah. to the people who are writing your performance review, right? The upward. And then there's a secondary item, which is like, did you leave dead bodies behind? Like, yeah. how did you deliver? Did you end up with everybody working over the weekend because you didn't think of something? Did we have lots of bumps in the road after you launched? And so, you know, those are like the best TPMs. You know, they're going to deliver on time. You know, they're not going to burn the team more than necessary. You know yeah. that once it's launched, it'll be launched and you won't have to go back and clean it up. Yeah, you and, don't have you, too much cleanup. That's true. And you understand exactly, as a customer, you understand exactly what you're going to get when this person delivers or when this team delivers. That, that well, makes a lot of sense. I feel, I feel especially the dead bodies aspect, right? I feel I, I know 
TPMs or I know certain, even organizations sometimes, they kill the whole workforce in delivering something which is super critical. Absolutely understand that it's a make or break. But at the same time, it's at an incredible expense of burning everybody out, right? Those are, I think, fantastic ways to like measure how impactful you are. Focus on the delivery I, aspect first. You go ahead. Yeah, I want to make one more thing clear is like people broadly, the time of a, a project don't mind necessarily working really hard. Yeah. Like I call these crucible moments, right? You're working hard, you're under pressure. This is when you learn. In many ways, this is the most fun. So the TPM I was referencing before calls this type two fun where it's not actually fun when you're doing it, but when you look back, when you've achieved something, you're proud of it, and, and that was fun. And so many people like to have that kind of fun. What they don't like is having to do work two times or three times or yeah, having to work over the, the weekend because someone... Clear. Yeah. And so when we talk about burning people out, that's what burns people out. Like working hard to create something out of nothing, to engineer something, to build something. Like you can't do that. You can't work 60 hours a week all the time. But if you have a project that goes for six weeks or eight weeks and it's super important and you're working with people you like and it's well run, you've got great TPM, like those are the most exciting times, at least in my absolutely my career. And what you find is that when it happens, it's a great, great yeah. thing, but it doesn't always happen. It's a great feeling. <laughs> it's, it's a great sense of accomplishment and a lot of team spirit and camaraderie, right? When you go through this all together. And that's a very valid point that time is well utilized and you're not mismanaging people or their time while you're going through a hard program or project like that. That's a good point. The end of part one of a three-part series with Dave Glick. If you like that, definitely share it with your friends. Like the podcast on the podcast app and leave us a review. See you in part two. Bye.